sperm only comprises about five to 10% of your semen. And you know, just as you were kind of talking about, the semen is mainly a vehicle creating that environment that's gonna allow it to survive through the vaginal canal. This is the Man Up Podcast, the doctor's guide to men's health. Each week on our podcast, we interview the top specialists of the field on various topics in men's health. If you have questions that you are too afraid to ask, we have the answers. This week, our episode is titled, What You Need to Know About Semen. I'm Dr. Kevin Chu, and I'm joining us always with my co-host, Dr. Justin Dubin. Justin, I hope you just watched the Steelers barely eke out that win over the Titans. Hey, they're four and two, man. Four and two. No, no, no. We're I, we're we're five and three, actually. Five, five and three. Wow. Holy shit. Winning five record. Three. You know, one game behind the Ravens. Yep, yep, yep. That's but you unbelievable. Know, we're we're a pretty shitty five and three team. I'm Very gonna tell you bad. that. You're probably the worst five and three. One of the worst actually. five and three teams. That was ever. like what were you when you were eleven and oh, you were probably the worst undefeated team ever. That's true. It's it's been many years. The Steelers have been shitty good <laughs> hey man i can't i can't hate though my giants are just an embarrassment so i can't even watch the games it's you know you know i thought for a minute when they with Ty, tyler taylor was in for a little bit right or he is yeah. he is a qb he was he, he was doing okay no he broke his ribs i think so he's out <laughs> we have tommy devito touchdown tommy devito <laughs> oh, yeah. a, a local new jersey legend so good for him i i like touchdown tommy Clearly, they don't think he could pass, though, so it's very sad. Yeah. Well, hey, yo, there's always next year. Yeah, but uh, listen, we're in. Uh, we're officially in uh, no shave November. We're both. Man, it already looks like you're shave. already growing something already. It's been like one day. I have like a. I have a five o'clock shadow, man. I grow this stuff in fast, and I don't know. I'm getting good feedback. People tell me they like the clean shaven. I don't. What? Oh, dude, listeners, you need to send an email or DM <laughs> us and let us know if you think Justin looks better bare. I I, bear? I, I just find it so awkward talking to you to a bare face. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You look pretty much the same. I, I look this, I look the exact same. Not, nothing's happened. Nothing's I changed. like when you grow the Fu Manchu, though. I like the Fu Manchu, <laughs> so please grow that out. Um, no, I don't know. I feel kind of good about it right now, but... I just like the mustache, so I'm excited. But, you know, I think we're going to be talking today about everything semen, which is one of the most common topics I think that we get asked. Walking down the street, people ask about their semen. Seriously, that's our friends ask <laughs> us about us. People in the office, anywhere, they're asking about our semen. Guys are obsessed with their semen. Their partners yeah. are obsessed with their semen. We talk a lot about everything semen today. Absolutely. I, I don't know. Well, I, I don't really get that question much walking down the street, Justin, but you know, <laughs> but yes, no, I, I get where you're coming from. Uh, definitely get it asked often. There's things that you think about semen that you probably wonder a lot about in your head, but you just don't know the answer to such as we, we touched on topics such as why does seem, why is it the color that it is? You know, what, what specifically in it makes, you know, causes it to taste certain ways. This 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 episode is fascinating, and I definitely promise you it answers a lot of questions you probably had when you were around your 15, 16-year-olds, you know? 
What do you mean 15 or 16 year old? I'm talking to 45 year old guys who are asking me these questions, 60 year old guys who are asking me these very questions. Very true, very true. Um, and uh, another part that we highlight here also, we talk about semen, but we also talk about sperm and breaking down a semen analysis. And that's something that, you know, is can be very, very overwhelming. I think we give you kind of like a very good layman's guide to a semen analysis. Yeah, semen analysis is like a technical report when you take a look at it. It's got so many numbers on there. And towards the end of this episode, you'll be able to really, you know, I, I think take away from it that if you go see a doc or you get your own semen analysis report, you're really going to be able to interpret it and get an idea of where you stand on a male fertility potential uh, aspect. Yeah, and uh, I think that as long, as long as you kind of can grasp some of the general ideas, you know, I, I, I have seen it and I'm sure Kevin has seen it. People come in, they have their results, they're overwhelmed, and then they just feel like they're completely infertile, even though most of the time they're not. Uh, and uh, just having some general knowledge, I think, will really put you at ease. Now, obviously, these are generalities. Each individual case, there's a lot of different situations. It takes two to tango. But I think listening to our conversation on semen analysis and semen uh, will give you really a good background just for fun facts, walking around, uh, or just trying to learn about your health and really improve yourself and your fertility. Absolutely. This is a great episode. And before we jump into it, I just want to thank all our listeners for sending in some questions for us through IG. We, yes. had, a, we had a ton of really good questions. So on our next uh, intro or you know one of our next episodes we'll kind of touch base on some of those questions and uh, it's going to really instigate some really good discussion between me and Justin so thank you again for those questions yes it was awesome man and as always feel free to reach out we're starting to get more emails since we told you our, our actual email address so feel free to email us, as well. <laughs> email us um, and uh, questions comments concerns you can always follow us subscribe download Spotify, iTunes, YouTube. We have the cameras. We're editing it now. This is, I think, one of our first episodes, full episodes that we do with the actual uh, new camera workup. So it should look pretty damn good. So, so watch enjoy it. it. So watch, watch it. it. Watch our beautiful faces. I'm not yeah. clean shaven in it yet. So, but in the intro, you are. <laughs> yes, correct. So now you can compare. If you watch, you can compare directly. Yeah. And then vote at the end of the episode. <laughs> Do you prefer Justin on YouTube, with? <laughs> on the YouTube. Comment on the YouTube. Yeah. Love it. Roast me. I don't care. That's fine. Just comment. <laughs> All right, man. I think we're good. Let's rock and roll. First episode for men's health. We got some fun content coming out. So uh, enjoy the episode and uh, take care of yourselves. As men's health specialists, we know guys are shaving their balls. Yeah, we examine a lot of you, so we literally see it, but we also have the data showing it, too. That's right. According to research, over 85% of men trim their pubes. Not only that, but research shows that over 70% of women prefer a partner with at least partially trimmed pubic hair. So, guys... We know you're trimming the hedges, and we know that most women prefer you manscape. So if you're going to shave your balls, why not use the best men's grooming kit around? We're talking about Manscaped. With the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0, you get the Lawnmower 4.0 with their all-new skin-safe electric trimmer that protects your balls from getting those cuts we've all had in the past. You also get the Weed Whacker 2.0 for trimming your nose and ear hairs. 
And let me tell you guys, we all need to do a better job of this. Yep, that's right. Kevin and I both have the performance package and we really love it. Manscaping has never been easier for us. And for our listeners, we have a special promotion. Go to manscaped.com and enter promo code MANUP and get 20% off your first purchase. Go get your Manscaped products today. Your balls and your partner will thank you. So, Justin, my man, today we are going to talk about everything related to sperm to semen because, you know, this is an area that we, we specialize in and we know quite a lot about. So we, we feel our listeners should kind of get some information from us on, you know, all things that they wanted to know about sperm. Yeah, I think uh, this is a very popular topic. A lot of guys come in just asking general questions about semen. It comes up often when we're talking about other sexual problems. So yeah, I think we should just get into it because we're pretty much going to answer some pretty common questions, uh, general understanding of semen and uh, what's in it and stuff like that. But let's really start off with that question. What is in semen? And I think a lot of people are surprised. Uh, you know, when we're talking about semen in general, you have to understand what the purpose is, right? The purpose of semen is to create an environment to protect sperm so that you know you can that sperm can get into the vagina get into the uterus and then achieve a pregnancy so um you know creation of that environment is what a majority of uh semen is now kev what percentage of semen does sperm actually take up so sperm actually you know surprisingly everyone thinks that that whole you know, everything that's coming out is just, you know, 100% sperm, but actually sperm only comprises about five to 10% of your semen. And, you know, just as you were kind of talking about it, the, the semen is just like mainly a vehicle that that's that's bringing, carrying the sperm on for a ride to try to get to its, you know, destination, you know, the, the objective of sperm is to fertilize, right? That's the objective. And, right. you know, we're basically just creating that environment that's going to allow it to survive, you know, with it, you know, through the vaginal canal up past up into the cervix, you know, so that is the main thing. But so, Justin, what, you know, what else is comprising or contributing to the rest of your semen volume then? So the majority of your semen volume is actually from uh, the seminal vesicles composing about 60 to 70% of the volume of your semen <clears throat> Excuse me. Mm. And, uh, you know, it includes things like fructose, amino acids, uh, phosphorus, potassium and citric acid. And, you know, these things really help create that favorable environment for sperm. And, you know, there's other things that get involved as well. The prostate also gets involved, which creates PSA, which we've talked about in previous episodes, actually help, helps really liquefy the semen. And then, you know, finally, there's these things called Cowper's glands, which actually secrete some fluid and help liquefy and lubricate semen. Um, and, and that's kind of the uh, combination of what everything is. And when we're talking about semen in general, um, we also have to understand that there's a certain pH that will be important for other things that we're talking about here in the composition. But in general semen is alkaline now kevin why is semen alkaline well before we before we jump into that before we jump to i want to back yeah. up a sec just so that way we don't kind of bypass this um you know this this important point that i feel like i answered the question for a lot because 
you know, on our previous episodes, we talk about PSA screening, right? And I'm right. just going to go back on that because this question just gets asked all the time. And one's like, what is the point of PSA? You know, why do I have PSA? And I, I tell every guy, look, look, if you have a prostate one, sure, you know, you're going to be generating PSAs. And as a result, right. we use that to screen for prostate cancer, right? We use right. that to screen for prostate cancer. But what it's actually doing, and it, this is what I think is kind of fascinating, is, you know, PSAs are used to help liquefy it, right? There, there's, there's, right. There's, a, there's a point to it. It's not just like uh, some random number out there that's just kind of uh, or exists. exists, exists, you know, the magic of human, the human body, you know, everything has a purpose, believe it or not, except for, I guess, the appendix, but uh, otherwise everything else has a purpose. So that, you're right. It is, it is very, very cool to know that, you know, there is a purpose. PSA does something, liquefies the semen and, uh, and, and helps you achieve a pregnancy um, and also helps us can't screen for your cancer. Wait, but now so, going back to that question, what what were you gonna say? But is there is there another function for PSA besides that? I do not know. Do you? I'm trying. I, I thought there was. I, and that's what I'm trying to think off. No, maybe there isn't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just making things up right now. You know, it's late night recording, but yeah. But um, no. So let's go back to the alkaline question. Okay. Why is why is semen alkaline? So that way it can help kind of survive in the vaginal canal. I think that's what you're trying to get Correct. at, right? Yes, that's what I'm trying to get uh, at. Yeah. And that's how I always remember it, right? Because the vaginal uh, environment is acidic, and then the sperm has to be alkaline, the yin to the yang. I, yeah. I always find it so fascinating there. <laughs> uh, it's amazing how science works. Yeah. Um, that they cancel each other out to provide a uh, safe passage for a sperm. And that gets now, that gets back to the, that gets back to this the, the idea we're talking about, right? This this shit, you know, the, this semen that that's going through. The main objective is to just protect sperm as it gets its way up again to the its final destination. You know, again, what it's supposed to do, which is to, to fertilize fertilize an egg. Now, just, yeah, I, I just wanted to say, and then the other thing that we when we're talking about composition, that's important that we talk about a lot with vasectomies is that, you know, guys are like, am I going to just shoot yeah. out dust? And the answer <laughs> is no, no. I mean, people are like, am I going to just dry orgasm? I'm going to shoot out dust. What's going to come out after a vasectomy. We just told you five to 10% of your semen is us. Semen is sperm. The rest is coming from other places. So you are going, your volume is going to be the same, you know, pretty much. So it's nothing to worry about. You're you're going to be able to orgasm. You're going to be ejaculating, and it's going to be pretty much the same before or after a vasectomy. Yeah, I think I think Dr. Patel on a on a previous episode talked to us about it, and I kind of use the same thing uh, when I now, I kind of incorporate it into some of my counseling. Where you know a lot of patients that you know Justin and I see do have some pathology where they're actually not having any sperm in the ejaculate. That that medical mm -hmm. term is azospermia, but like they never knew because their volume seemed normal. Great they point. were just like, this is a normal semen volume and nothing seemed abnormal. And in those patients, unfortunately, they actually have no sperm. But that, you know, goes to show Justin's point that you're really not going to notice much of a difference uh, post vasectomy just because of how small amount that sperm is actually comprising of your semen. Um, 
But Justice, talk about volume though. Some guys do come in. I, you know, it's an inevitable question that we get where we're like, the guy comes in, he's like, my semen volume just seems like it's decreasing. So, you know, is something happening? Is this something to be worried about? You know, um, in general, maybe. <laughs> right? I mean, the answer yes. is maybe. Yes. Um, because, you know, let's just talk about in general the volume, and we'll go into semen analysis later in the episode. But, you know, in my head, I think the guidelines, the World Health Organization says 1.2 to 1.5 is right. around it. I always say like 1 mm -hmm. cc, 1 ml, less than that is considered in my brain low volume. Now there's a lot of different things that can be assessed and especially with volume when we're talking about a semen analysis, they're often lower because no one likes coming in a cup. It's not comfortable. You miss something. It's, that's not fun you for you. You gotta milk Justin? out everything. You're not fully aroused. Right? That's not fun for you? You know Oh, I, I mean <laughs> we I've done it. You've done it. I <laughs> I've mean done full it, yeah. disclosure, we've we've all done it, but <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. It's but you're never gonna get that max volume. That's you're true. just that's not. true. That's true. So you know, that's one thing that's the semen analysis side. But, you know, people, like you said, do come in and they say, hey, my semen volume has decreased. Um, what's going on? And to that, I say, OK, let's figure this out. There's a lot of different things that could be going on. Right. One could be. Did you start any new medications? And that's mm -hmm. usually one of the most common ones that we deal with. And what's that medication, Kev? Well, for you know some of our patients who are suffering from enlarged prostate, having some you know lower urinary tract symptoms, one of those medications, and you know all you guys we're, we're all going to hear about it at some point. And that is called Flomax or Tamsulosin is its generic name, mm -hmm. or any sort of alpha one blocker. So this could be Alfuzosin, but you know by their you know brand names that you've probably heard of, it's mainly Flomax. That's that's the main one right. you heard and. That medication really relaxes the, prostate, the bladder neck. That's how you get improvement in your urination symptoms. But as a result of that relaxation, you're actually going to kind of lose some of that kind of push forward to kind of get the semen out. And some of that kind of goes back up into the bladder. Now, Justin, a lot of guys always ask me, is that really bad for me if the semen hangs out in my bladder? What's, what's the answer to that? Absolutely not. I mean, I, I, I always tell people, if you're not trying to have a kid – you have no mess, man. It is no mess. <laughs> You're orgasming. It's fine. Don't worry about it. But people, especially in South Florida, people really love the money shot. I got to tell you. And a lot of people find it very distressing. But if you have that problem and it's something we can, we can address that, right? I mean, there's other medications we can give you for prostate problems. So that's one possible thing. That's called retrograde ejaculation, right. by the way, is the technical term. But retrograde ejaculation can come from other things too. And one of the bigger and more common things is actually diabetes. That's right. Now I see that a lot in young guys who have poorly controlled diabetes. Mm. Diabetes is one of those things we think about our hands, our eyes, you know, our feet are the first things to go, but guess what? The nerves in your penis, the nerves in your pelvis, they're much smaller and often, you know, your erections go and that could also include your ability to, you know, contract strong enough that you ejaculate forward. And unfortunately I've had to do, you know, you do, you might need to do a surgery. You might need to do different things to get sperm out of these guys. Most of the time, not, but uh, there are situations where, you know, that could be a warning sign that your diabetes is very poorly controlled. That, that's a fantastic point. 
just you know the the whole diabetes and potential cause of retrograde ejaculation or just failure of emission just because you're just like yeah. the you know diabetes I, I stress this to guys who especially guys who are like kind of overweight and they're like no 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 I'm fine you know I'm like diabetes can cause so much shit for to your body Absolutely. so much shit and like for you to like not even be able to have an integrate or forward ejaculation you know th these are things that can happen Justin highlights, you know, yeah, you commonly think that, oh, like, you know, you know, think my legs are going to like, I'm going to lose sensation there or like, you know, things may happen to your kidney. But no, this happens in for patients who are trying to conceive and then they find out like, oh, my uncontrolled diabetes has actually caused me to have an inability to, you know, ejaculate. So it's a big yeah, issue. It's, it is. And, you know, obviously other things, obesity is a big factor um, that can play a role here. Increasing age, you know those muscles to contract if they're just not working through whatever means including aging body and being out of shape it could actually play a role and then you know the the other most common thing is getting pelvic surgery of any kind mm. often we see it from prostate cancer getting a prostatectomy those guys usually have no ejaculate because we cut the vas deferens we mm. cut the seminal vesicles so they actually don't orgasm they have dry orgasm they're not infertile they just can't get the sperm out of out of their bodies uh, or out of their testicles specifically. Um, and but it can happen with other pelvic surgeries too. I mean, if anything damages the nerves, similar to diabetes, you can have these problems. So there's a lot more things that you would think of can compromise a, a decreased volume um, that are potentially pathological. That could be warning signs of other problems going on, but there's also, you know, a direct result of something bad happening. And sometimes you just, you know, ages of age getting old sucks, man. Yeah. You know, it, it's, th those are some of the, the, the harder ones I know when I'm talking with some of my patients where, you know, it, I, we kind of go through everything and you can't really, it's like, I can't, I've gone through every single one. I'm like, no, nah, I don't think any of these kind of, kind of like, you know, are, you know, causing your issue and the last point you touched on sometimes with age you know when age is kind of you know testosterone is somewhat a little bit related to some sort of yeah i agree with that you know another thing that we've talked about all this decreased volume um but then the question a lot of guys come in and they're just interested in increasing their volume in general so what are some ways in which guys can actually increase their semen volume kevin so one of the the main things that i check for is is hormones right especially right. testosterone testosterone is very important so one of the you know chief things kind of workup plans is to to get some blood levels uh, of your testosterone level and if it's kind of low that could be one of the things that's kind of you know causing your lower you know semen volume and then by kind of bumping up your testosterone uh up a little bit we can kind of get um better volume so that's one uh you know making sure you're having good erections and all that stuff yeah. it helps too so you know if you're having a little bit of ED, maybe getting you on some, you know, oral PD-5 inhibitors like Cialis or something like that will kind of help with that too. Um, Justin, what other strategies do you have? I think like hydration is important mm. and we'll go into that as well. Um, being hydrated, taking care of yourself, stuff like that, you know, the amount uh, and we're going to go into consistency and stuff like that. But I think the amount of and frequency of sexual activity plays a huge role in your yes. volume. You know, you should never expect if you hadn't orgasmed in like five days, you orgasm and then an hour later you have sex again and you orgasm. The volume's 
not going to be there, right? It's just not like, that's just not how your body works. So you also have to be realistic with these things. And to some degree, you know, you just can't <laughs> to some degree. I think your volumes, your volume and, you know, other things we give patients for retrograde ejaculation, you give patients Sudafed, which can help tighten, you know, how the flow max has, as Kevin said, can, you know, relax your prostate, relax your bladder neck. The Sudafed actually does the opposite, which it, it causes constriction and tightens your prostate and tightens your bladder so that you can actually have uh, forward ejaculation. And that's often one way that we help try to treat, or at least try to help our patients with retrograde ejaculation who, you know, don't have obviously a medication that's causing it or anything. So I think that's, that's another thing Sudafed would be helpful in this case. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, the, the, and then I, I want to kind of stress to patients, though, you know, Sudafed doesn't always 100% work. Let's say if oh, you are no. dealing with retrograde ejaculation, it, it's kind of one of our things like, all right, we're going to give it to you, kind of hope that this works. But I don't. the numbers aren't always the greatest on using Sudafed. It's, it's almost like probably like a flip of a coin, I think, probably. I, I don't know the data on it. Yeah. Um, I would say that you're right there. I would say for you know, almost 50% of the time patients say it helps. And then I've had guys who say it helps yeah. and then it doesn't help them the next yeah, time. And exactly. I think a lot of it is timing, how yeah. much they're taking, right. how aroused they are. Yeah. And that's another factor, right? How aroused are you during this time? Are you rushing through sex? Are you just masturbating quickly? You're not letting yourself, you know, build up. I think that there's a huge factor there too. But, yeah. So I think that's kind of volume. Now, another very, very common question that we get asked about is semen color. Um, you know, I don't even just get this asked by patients. I Friends of mine, dudes, I'm walking down the street. They're asking me about why their semen changes colors, what, what the deal is with that. So Kevin, can you just enlighten us a little bit of like what color should my semen be? Well, for all our listeners, just so you know, off the air, Justin and I talk to each other a lot about why our own semen colors changes quite often. I'm just kidding. But <laughs> no, but uh, look, what, so semen. Semen, the, the normal, typical appearance or color of semen is usually like a cream gray, opalescent, or kind of like an off-white. Now, yeah. sometimes what we do see and what you may see is that semen becomes a little bit more you know, mildly yellow. All right. And this, this is normal with age or some prolonged, you know, abstinence from ejaculation. And this is really because the yellowing is carrying a lot of dead epithelial cells. So this is like essentially think of like kind of dead skin that's on the inside that's uh, um, shed um, in the secretions of the seminal vesicles. Now, Justin, you know, these, these are, this is what are normal or kind of typical findings of semen color. You know, why would you see some transparency or opacity of semen? What, what are these things dependent on? You know, I think this is like one of those things where a lot of sexual health, which is really cool, as you've listened to our episodes, it really depends on lifestyle too, mm. you know? So, yeah. so your ejaculate clarity and all that stuff can actually be impacted by, by things you're doing, you know, your diet, how you're eating, your me medications, abstinence, how frequently you're ejaculating, mm -hmm. like you said, um, you know, infection, uh, potentially, you know, uh, hydration status. So, cause we, we see guys, some guys go, Oh, one day it's like pearly white thick. And then the next day it's clear like water. And I'm like, well, 
you know, how, how many times did you ejaculate between, were you drinking a lot the day that a water, the day it was watery, you know, there's, there's a lot of factors, but I mean, just like most things in medicine, there's a huge spectrum. Mm. There's a huge spectrum of what normal is. And I think identifying first, not what normal is, is probably what, what abnormal is, is probably the more important thing. So like, what, what colors are we freaking out about? What not freaking out about necessarily? What colors should we consider if you're a guy coming to talk to us? Come talk to our doctors, Kev. Well, you know, I'll, well, how about this? I'll touch on the one that we also see a lot of. One of the things yes. is, you know, the, and I, I mean, we're a urologist, so you know, we're we're much more aware of it. But if I wasn't a urologist, I would probably freak out. And that's seeing oh, some, absolutely seeing some redness or rust color in your sperm, right? And immediately you see that you're like, whoa, is this, do I have blood in my semen? Again, Justin and I are urologists, so we are less freaked out, but I could definitely, I definitely understand from our listeners or from our patients why that could be, you know, kind of terrifying. Alarming. Yeah. Yeah. And then especially if it kind of persists. So, you know, first off, what I, you know, want to say is, hematospermia, which is the medical terminology for that, so blood in the semen, for the predominant, like 98, 99% of the time, this is like something benign, all right? right? Just happens to be there. It's not like I differentiate from when a patient comes in, it's like I peed actual blood and I can't tell you if there's anything, you know, for any reason why. That I'm a little bit more worried about. That, you know, I will work up. We'll do further testing. But for the most part, these isolated episodes of blood in the semen, I, I'm not too concerned about. It's pretty benign. Um, no, I agree 100%. I agree 100%. Most of the time, patient comes in and I say, hey, this is going to be okay. Or the, or they even say, hey, it happened twice. It resolved. It haven't happened in a month, but I freaked the fuck out. So I just wanted to come talk to you. And I say, it's probably not going to happen again. Now, people go, what the hell caused it? And sometimes we just don't know, right? Yep. You know, mm-hmm. maybe you had some kind of trauma during sex. Maybe you popped a vessel inside your, your track somewhere. Um, maybe, you know, who knows we had just rough sex or something. Most of the time it's nothing. Some stuff we do check. You can check for infection, STDs, you know, in a persistent guy, you know, I have done it a couple times who like over continuously for months had blood in their urine. We always check a PSA for Mm -hmm. prostate cancer. That's the one thing we do check. Um, or you should get checked. And also I do a cystoscopy if I really need to, or an MRI of your prostate. Very rare, but if it is something persistent. But I think Kevin in general is very correct. This is nothing to worry about, but we do recommend talking to someone about it and seeing someone for that problem. But what other colors are concerning, Kevin? (laughs) Well, I I wouldn't say concerning, but look like, you know, if certain medications you take, will cause potential changes to your semen color, right? Okay. Right? So I want to say it's concerning, but I'm just, you know, listeners should know that, hey, like, you know, if you took, um, you know, what is this? If uh, some supplements, oh, supplements. Supplements are guys that like, they like take a lot. These can cause changes in consistency um, differences to your semen, but they're not really any cause for concern. Um I guess if it gets a little bit more yellowish or orange, you know, these could be potential signs and causes of uh, an STI, you know. Um, so the, the way I tell my patients, honestly, really, 
at the end of the day, most things you shouldn't really be too concerned about. That's from my perspective. Yeah, I mean, the other thing is like brown or black semen. You should not be having. Well, that you should not see. Yeah. That you should not see. You should go see someone right away because you probably might have some kind of infection. You might have some kind of. It could be old blood, but you know we do want to just get that concern. So you know, in general, concluding the semen color spectrum here, most of it varies and it's okay to be variable in your semen consistency in the, the clarity the liquid um but you know a couple things to keep your your eye for when it comes to weird colors um obviously obviously pain with ejaculation dripping from your penis you know those are other signs of you know potential infection prostatitis utis stds so yeah now we talked a little bit. We didn't really talk about smell. And this mm. is something that truthfully, I, I very rarely, once in a while, I'll see a patient who notices that there are semen smells a little bit different. Um, and most of the time, I feel like it's nothing. But what can, you know, what can smell indicate? And what does it, what does it usually smell like, Kev? So... You know, as you stated earlier on the episode, so semen, semen is alkaline, right? right. So it's going to smell something similar in that, in that range uh, of pH. Uh, you know, sometimes it's cited that, you know, normal smell is kind of like a, like a bleach, a little ammonia, a little chlorine. Absolutely. Kinda... We've, we've all smelled it. <laughs> Come on, let's be honest. That's exactly what it smells like. A little bleachy chlorine kind of smell. Yeah. Yeah. Now, look, it, you know, just it, the semen is something that our body produces, right? It, and a yeah. lot of it's produced from the seminal vesicles. You touched on it, it has like fructose and all that stuff. So things that you're eating, I guess this kind of goes along with everything we're saying about consistency or about, you know, color right. stuff. Things that we eat could potentially have an effect on the smell, right? Now, one of the common things that you're going to probably see a lot of on social media or stuff is talk about asparagus, because asparagus yeah. for sure absolutely has an impact on the smell of your urine, right? 100%. 100%. Right. Smells terrible. Smells terrible. So, you know, going to do the same thing to your to your semen too. And that can, you know, have an impact on how it smells. Um, other foods like garlic, um, dairy, people say that that can have an effect. Um, and, uh, you know, the only thing is that if it's having some sort of persistent foul smell, this could be, again, going in line with what Justin was saying, a sign of a UTI STD, but you know, usually you're having some other sort of um, symptoms. So that's that those other symptoms are a little bit more prevalent than just a abnormal change in smell of your semen. But I mean, that's basically it, Justin, unless you have something else to add. No, I think that, I think that's pretty much it. Like it's the smell is the smell. A couple of things you can potentially do to compromise that smell including diet, but I don't think the data is very good in that front. Right. But leading to foods that can compromise your semen, you know, one of the most popular topics that we see on social media is can food impact the taste of your semen? And, you know, that's like in every movie, in every show, <laughs> especially you see, you know, some girl who's like loading up on pineapple. Oh, yeah getting ready or no the guy's loading up on pineapple i'm sorry she's telling him to load up on pineapple and so you know there's this old thing that you know especially things like pineapple can 
make your sperm sweeter. Now, is it true? I would say maybe. Why? Because, you know, we do know that pineapple is very rich in uh, a high sugar. It has a lot of high sugar content, right? So, you know, eating in theory can increase, you know, the fructose in your body, increase the fructose in your semen. Um, and in addition, you know, in general, because of that alkaline smell, that alkaline taste also comes with that alkaline pH of your semen, which is often a bitter taste. Now, I've not tasted semen, but uh, that's what it's been said to taste like a bit bitter. And that's because of that alkaline, uh, I guess, uh, acidity or alkalinity of, of the semen. So, you know, it's thought that the pineapple's high fructose can kind of neutralize a little bit of that bitterness with the fructose and make it sweeter. Now, can it actually work? There's no real data. I think it's all theory. But um, Kev, what are some other fruits that uh, people think can maybe make your semen taste a little bit better? Now, guys, I'm sure guys are listening to this now. They're writing them down. The girls yeah. are writing this down. <laughs> yeah, so get that pen and paper out, you know. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, you know, other other fruits like kiwi, uh, peaches, dates, um, blueberries, um, cinnamon. I think wheatgrass has been mentioned before. And that doesn't even sound I don't sweet, know. though. But yeah, I know. I, I agree with you. <laughs> but you know, let's just get to it. All this stuff, you can go on the internet and you're going to find probably all these recommendations, probably some recipes that you could probably try to, to help improve it. There is no definitive date on it. Now, there are, there's also supplements out there that state that. Again, possible, yes. Any definitive data on it, no. Just like Justin said, this is all kind of like very you know, hypothetical. We're postulating here. Yeah, this is going to bump, you know, bump up your fructose level. So yeah, theoretically, and maybe there's anecdotal evidence, but who knows if it's just placebo because you told someone like, hey, look, yeah, I just ate a ton of pineapple. You know? <laughs> <laughs> just no contact, no talking, just you just eating pineapple for dessert. Every dessert is pineapple. You're on your honeymoon. You're just eating pineapple and pineapple and peaches. I mean, I love pineapple. I mean, it's a I'm fantastic fruit. Fantastic it's, fruit. It's not a top five for me, but it's a good fruit. I want to say um, I eat it often, you know, it's, it's kind I don't of, either. I wonder why. It's just not an. I mean, you have someone has to cut it for you, right? Like, well, you can I, cut I, it for I buy yourself. my own pineapple. You can, you can cut it for yourself. It's an annoying fruit to cut. <laughs> it's a really annoying fruit to cut. It I really agree. Is. I, I completely agree. It's not convenient. So, and then it's kind of expensive to get the pre-cut. Yeah, so, absolutely. Uh, you know, I don't. I have the Trader Joe's frozen pineapple in my freezer, though. Those are actually very good. You know, I'm going to go on a tangent here. Those pre-cut fucking fruits, so smart. And so, you know, because like, yeah, I hate cutting up fruit. But then they upcharge the shit out of it, right? Oh, my God. It's like three times the price. Yeah. Fantastic business model. Yeah. I never bought. No, I cut my own fruit. Except, I guess, sometimes pineapple. And I just don't eat it. Because it's, because I don't. Because I don't want to spend the money three <laughs> times as much. But yeah, it is. It's a great business. You just literally charge. You just cut it up and the then amount. you upcharge it three times. People love convenience, man. Convenience is is key here. 
But um, all right. So listen, I think that's a good summary of a lot of the semen questions. That's a general composition of the semen stuff. Uh, we do want to kind of quickly delve into something that a lot of people really want to know about mm. the semen analysis, right? Yeah. So those were the general things about semen. We're going to kind of really now look into the sperm within your semen and break that down because at the end of the day, the semen analysis is the gold standard, you know, for, for, for us in assessing fertility. And it can be very, very overwhelming when you get these numbers, whether it's from an online company, whether it's from a lab, you're like, what the hell am I looking at? Is this normal? Is this abnormal? And hopefully, you know, through this part of, of, of our podcast, um, you'll really kind of get a better gestalt of what's important, what's not important, what to worry about. Does this mean I'm never going to be able to have a kid again? So, Kev, you want to start it off for us? Yeah. You know what I thought would be cool is both me and you kind of just give what our spiel is whenever we go over. Okay. All right. Okay. I like that. I All like right? that Because there is no – at the end of the day, everyone's going to have their own little kind of nuance in the way they approach it because this is not right. an exact science. Correct. As, as I'll kind of state that. So, um, you know, the spiel I give my patients when they come with a semen analysis, you're going to get this huge – huge form that's going to have all these medical terminologies, percentages everywhere. And, you know, a lot of times you'll see like abnormal, normal, abnormal, and you're just going to be like, what, you know, what the fuck does this all mean? And how do I interpret it? So for me, how I simplify it for patients, I go first, look, most important thing about semen analysis, these are average numbers, like fifth percentiles and above that are obtained from the World Health Organization. They took a look at a bunch of population sets of people that were able to conceive within a year and then use these numbers. So there are patients with numbers below that of that very small amounts that still conceive normally, all right? But it's, it's a small amount, but it's usually a sign that maybe there could be issues going on. So for my patients, I go like, look, I look at volume. I look at your total motility. I look at your sperm concentration, and then I kind of put that all together, and I make this total motile sperm count. That's that's the way I kind of count counsel my patients. So my volume, and I know Justin's talked about use one. Mine, I, I use about a one point five for mine, right? Anything above okay. one point five, and then in terms of the motility, I do the uh, usually around forty percent, and then. But what uh, is motility? Well, so motility is just any movement of sperm. Okay. Now, there's a difference. They, they break it down further where you it's have- It's very important you said any movement. Yes, correct. Any movement, right. Because there are, the, as you, if you continue to kind of break it down, there is progressive motility where you're actually kind of moving forward and then kind of the non-progressive where you just kind of stand still, but you are motile. The, 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 the tail of the sperm is still kind of moving. Um, but again, when I do that kind of quick hit, I, I really just focus on the total motility unless there's something I need to kind of break down. And so that's at 40%. And then uh, in terms of sperm concentration, which is basically taking a look at uh, breaking out how much sperm you have per cc or per um, you know milliliter, uh, usually I go about 15 million uh, per cc is kind of my kind of cutoff that I use. And then you know we put all these numbers together and you'll get this grand total number of total motile sperm count. And uh, you know that's how you can kind of you know, segue into some certain things if you have pathologies. But Justin, how do you kind of counsel your patients on a semen? I now? usually am very similar, and uh, and we'll talk about the the thing that we both left out at the end. Yeah. But you know, what I like to say 
is listen, this is a spectrum. And I think another thing that you have to understand, like Kevin said, is that, you know, your sperm on one day, we've talked about variety and things, how semen can change from one day to another, that there is variability. Your sample one day doesn't mean you're always going to be that diff that day. Uh, and the sample next time you do it um, doesn't mean you're locked into that semen analysis. There's so many lifestyle factors. There's sexual frequencies. Factors, there's factors we can't, we don't even know or understand that are impacting your daily semen parameters. So you have to understand that there's variability here. And often I like to get at least two if I can. Yes. I, I usually start with one because yeah. we, you know, we're within reason. These things are not necessarily cheap and insurance mm -hmm. usually does, may not cover it. So, you know, I get one if I'm concerned, then I go for a second one. Um, and there, that, and it doesn't mean that you're in trouble because one's low, but yep. you can kind of get a better window of where you're at. So that's kind of how I started. I say, point. this may not be your true value, whatever we're looking at. Okay. Unless you have four with me, then I probably feel a little bit more convinced, but in general, one doesn't mean that's necessarily where you are. So that's to start. And when I look at it, I explain it. I care about three things. I care one about volume, semen volume, because something has to come out if you're going to have a baby naturally. Right. So something has to come out of your penis. Uh, two, I care about um, the concentration because there has to be sperm, right? And I think one thing that you have to understand is it is in millions per cc. And when you look at that number, so saying five, it's not five sperm, it's five million sperm per milliliter. And most guys are ejaculating more than one milliliter. So that's another thing to look at. And then three is you need motility because your boy's got to swim because you could have a billion sperm, but if they can't swim, they're never going to get to the egg. And that's exactly how I explain it. And it's very simple to understand because, you know, it, you can have sperm, can't swim, not getting anywhere. Um, and then I, I do the, the total molar sperm count. And just to kind of explain a little bit further what the total molar sperm count it is, it is the volume times the percentage of the motility times the concentration and that final number is in millions. And uh, once again, we're talking about millions with an M. So every time you ejaculate theoretically, that is the amount of sperm in millions that gets to the egg for, for insemination. And that's how I kind of break it down because that's the important number at the end of the day. Why? Because if your number is normal, great. You can get to the egg, you're good. If your number's a little bit low, maybe you need help. Maybe we need a little help getting you there with the IUI. Or, or if your numbers are pretty much non-existent or there's very scant, then you really need help. And maybe we just need to do IVF. But like Kevin said, I'm not a math guy. And this is what I tell people. Even if it's low, I say, listen, 3 million is considered low, severely low. Yeah. Severe oligospermia is what we call it. And I say, I'm not a math guy, but I know there's one egg maybe two eggs if you're lucky and all and you still got 3 million sperm every time you ejaculate. So is it impossible? No. Is it low likelihood? Sure. Um, so that's kind of how I think about it um, because we'll never, you know, people live their whole lives and they could be subfertile their whole lives and they have three kids and you just never know. That's, and then people get, you know That's the I mean? exact point. That's the exact point I tell my patients. Like, dude, the semen, a lot of times when you're here in the office, probably things have been going on. So I always kind of take that into context. Unless you're coming in there like, hey, I just want to check myself out, fertility, sure. 
But a lot of times you're like, yeah, you know, been trying here and there. You know, I take that into context. But Justin makes a fantastic point. There are there are people that are out there that probably have like two, three million, and but they're just have kids, and we just don't have any record of that. And so, you know, that's why that's what makes fertility kind of kind of tricky at the end of the day. And we we try to do our best to try to put some kind of you know boxes around it to try to help kind of you know help us drive our treatment, but it it, it can be tricky. Now, what are some of the cutoffs, though? Uh, like, you know, obviously 15 million, and you, you you gave us the general cutoffs. When we're talking about IUI, IVF, what are the cutoffs that you like to use or the IVF centers? You know, because at the end of the day, the truth is we don't make the cutoffs. It's really the IVF centers and you as the patient based off of, you know, your finances, your goals, what you're willing to do, what you're not willing to do, and your and the sperm count. Obviously, these are all factors that we have to do as a shared decision maker. But, you know, we're here to optimize your sperm yeah. and give you the realistic samples. But, you know, at the end of the day, you're going to be going to your IVF doctor if you decide to go the artificial insemination route uh, or artificial reproductive right. technology route. I apologize. So, Kevin, what are some of the cutoffs that they're looking for over there? So one of the important numbers uh, when I talk with my patients is if you're trying to get to IUI, which is, again, intrauterine insemination, which is basically you know, you, you take your, your semen, it gets spun down into the sperm, and it actually just gets placed into the uterus. Nothing's done in a Petri dish. Nothing's done outside the body. It's just taking that sperm and kind of taking it closer to the, um, the finish line by putting it in the uterus. That number is 10 million, all right? 10 million is that number. Um, but, you know, there are situations, and I think, Justin, you published on this early mm-hmm. on, uh, early on in your burgeoning career, Um, uh, but you know, you, you did a fantastic paper on, because one of the, one of the surgeries that Justin and I do a lot of is, are these varicocele repairs because varicocele, varicoceles, which are swelling in the veins, I guess we'll, we'll do an episode on that stuff at some point, but that can cause lower sperm concentration. And then Justin kind of showed that, like, you know, doing these varicocele repairs can kind of get you above, above, I think that that number you had, if you have one, obviously, if you have one, if you have one, (laughs) what's to 5 million, right, Justin, I think that's where you Uh, Yeah, we, so the cutoff, so some doctors can use 5 million and and, and for, and we're talking about the cutoff is total modal sperm count. That's the number that we use. Um, but yeah, it could be 5 million, but in general, yeah, it's 10, 10 is the, the number. Because, you know, you're spending money, you like you're putting your your partners going through this process, you really want to make sure you're optimizing it for the best, right? And that's kind of the plan. But you know, when you're deciding between IVF and IUI and all these things, there's other factors, right? Maybe you can't afford IVF. Maybe there's other factors at play here. Um, Because IUI is significantly cheaper, the success rates are not as high as IVF, um, most of the time. Uh, But, uh, but it's, but yeah, 10 is, 10 is the cutoff that we're usually looking for. Now, my question for you is one thing that is all over the semen analyses, which I get a referral all the time for, and I'm oh, sure you get a referral too, is morphology. And, you know, morphology is one of these things that has plagued a lot of people and has caused a lot of unnecessary stress. So tell us about morphology. Tell us what the thought process is and what's really changed in the last few years of, of, if it's role in fertility. Well, here, how about this? I will talk about morphology, but I still refer a lot to your recent uh, commentary that you kind of put out on it. So, so here, let me talk about morphology. So morphology okay. is 
okay, how, how is a sperm supposed to look like, right? Sperm has right. its head and its tail, all right? Now, if I was to tell, like, Justin and I, we, we look under the scope a lot. If you were to take a look at it and you looked at sperm, you don't get 100% perfect-looking sperm. No, right. for the most part, majority of it actually look kind of like crap, you know, like, you know, they, <laughs> they, uh, you know, they're not the perfect shape, which is again, like a, a, a nice head with a tail that, you know, and there, and there's like, you know, specific things that an andrologist is supposed to u- utilize to characterize it as normal or there's something called like Kruger grading or, you know, I'm not going to really get into that, but morphology basically that that magic number that they state that you should see in within a semen sample should be about four percent think about that four percent of all the this uh all the sperm that you're analyzing is considered normal the rest can look like crap so for me I mean, I'll, I'll let Justin get into it. For me, like the things that I get more concerned about is if every single one had like the same defect and you see it all and it's kind of, you know, you know, amongst all of them, they're mono, monophasic, whatever. Everything's the same defect. Yeah, that's a little bit more concerning to me. But, you know, if you come in with like a 3% morphology, I'm like, yeah, I, you know, not to say anything to andrologists or embryologists or everybody looking at it, but probably if you looked a little bit more, you'd probably get to 4% too. That's um, a point. But, uh, but Justin, why don't you kind of shed some light on that commentary that you gave? Yeah, so there was a paper that came out a while back, and uh, I was fortunate to review it and, and give a commentary on it um, and uh, an opinion piece, basically saying morphology is completely worthless. I think it's completely <laughs> useless. There's, very, there's literally one situation in which it has value, which you alluded to, um, but even in the 0% morphology saying like ab- all your sperm are uh, abnormal, it doesn't really matter unless you have like one thing called like globospermia. Um, yeah. and, if, and, and you can tell that by in the comments of the semen analysis, it says what kind of – usually it says the kind of defects, right? Is it two tails? Is it – Uh, abnormal head, but it would clearly say globospermia and globospermia in itself is normal sperm. Actually, it can absolutely be used for fertility, which is further to the point, but it has to be used through IVF because its head is defective. So it can't penetrate the egg. But in general, we know that abnormal sperm does not impact the ability of the sperm to fertilize the egg. It does not cause, you know, for you know birth defects it does not have any outcomes in in the the future of the child um at all um the other thing that we and this is the real issue we have with morphology is the studies that we've seen we took like i didn't do it but there's been studies where they take the best labs the best andrology labs in the country sometimes in the world and they ask them not only give us a they took the same sample and they said this morphology uh, what is the morphology of this this sample? And no one consistently was the same. Then they asked them. They said, "Don't even give us the same. Just say, is it zero percent, or is it all nor? Is there a, a, not zero percent? None of them could do it. They couldn't do it consistently. So the problem is, you can't have a tool that is used as a guide if there is no consistency in the people that can read it, right? So the value is inherently zero. Um, and that's my inherent problem with it, because if you don't have a consistent in- instrument, you don't have 
a way to measure anything, right? And um, you can tell easily if you have globospermia by looking under the microscope. But other than that, I think there's nothing to worry about morphology. I don't think there's really anything you can do. I'm not aware of anything you can do to change your morphology, unless Kevin, you want to comment on that. Um, but I think for the most part, don't worry about it. Very rarely, very less than 1% of people. I've never seen globospermia. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it's very, very uncommon. Um, and the chances are, if you even have 0% morphology, you're going to be fine. Yeah, no, that's exact fantastic point that's that's kind of the same things that i kind of tell my patients when they come in with that and they're so honed in they're like two percent morphology three percent morphology that said i will say that i do think with artificial intelligence and just from what i've kind of like done my research on being able to kind of scan through they're going to kind of be able to remove some of that subjectivity and maybe kind of incorporate some objectivity so will morphology yeah. maybe play a role down the line where you could kind of tie in that like hey look there's a lot of these like abnormal ones but you can tag the normal ones use that one i don't know i don't know maybe but um again and, and something i always end when i talk to my patients about anything related to sperm we're still learning we're still learning Absolutely. a ton about this like our conception rates when it's coming to like assisted reproductive technologies is nowhere close to 100%. So we still have a large bridge to kind of figure out a lot on the male side um, and just uh, trying to hide how to optimize and stuff like that. But yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. No. And, and, you know, we'll talk about it. We'll do like an IVF specific episode, IUI episode, but you know, obviously we talked about it a little bit, um, with Dr. Crawford for sure, but yeah. there's other aspects where, you know, people say, is it the egg? Is it the sperm? And that's a whole other conversation to have for another day. Um, but sometimes, like you said, we don't know. I saw a patient last week. I said, I, there's one way to test it out. And you know, it's donor sperm versus your sperm. And we see if something right. works and if it doesn't yeah. work and some people don't like that idea and that's okay. You know, but you know, sometimes it's just very, very difficult because we don't have the technology um, you know, I guess the one final question or topic that may come up is DNA fragmentation, which is on the newer end of stuff. Now, um, you want to briefly describe what DNA fragmentation is? Yeah, sure. You know, briefly. So DNA fragmentation is, is basically taking a look at just to kind of really simplify it to see if there are any other effects that are acting, acting on the actual sperm DNA itself. And the thought process is if you have an increased amount of these sperm DNA damage, even if the sperm is great and it gets in and it gets into the egg itself, it, it, there's a preponderance of it not to kind of carry on and it just has kind of like a self-detonate kind of thing um, because it's just like, oh, no, the DNA is just not going to good, you know, crash, crash and burn kind of thing. And, the, um, and so, that, so that's the idea of it. And you can do tests to determine the amount of DNA fragmentation that you have within a, within a um, sperm. And, uh, you know, but, but a lot of times I, I, you know, I have had patients come and ask me for it straight off the bat, normal fertility work. You're like, hey, I read about this. Interesting. And I'm like, wow, you are very educated, one, and very <laughs> well informed. Um, but uh, it, it, it's still not considered like normal workup, right, Justin? Correct. No, not even close to the standard of care. Um, our guidelines really don't recommend using it yep. unless you've had like two miscarriages or something mm. like that. Right. Um, why? Because A, it's expensive. 
-hmm. B, um, there's not a lot of resources still out there to get it in the most common places. Uh, you usually have to go to a tertiary center or something like that to get it. And, and then C, you know, sometimes, you know, we don't know how to interpret it or we don't yes. know what to, we, to do with it, right? Because there's different ways you can consider treating yes. it. But sometimes you just say, I don't really know. You know, there's things called like a Zymot chip that the mm -hmm. IVF centers can use to kind of just have the sperm race to the other end and whichever ones are healthiest have the best DNA fragmentation. If you have a varicocele, like Kevin mentioned before, maybe we could do a varicocelectomy theoretically, mm -hmm. but I've had guys, I just tell them to ejaculate more <laughs> and yeah. it's actually worked. Oh yeah. You oh, know? Yeah. So, you know, it, it's something that's very new. There's a lot of different, different DNA fragmentation tests out there. There's not one gold standard yet. Um, really? So, it's kind of on the newer stuff, but yeah, there, there's indications, but I agree, Kevin, I would never just automatically sign up to get a DNA fragmentation. I don't think there's really value in it. And often I've gotten them and say, I don't really, have you guys ha achieved your pregnancy yet? No. Okay. Well, I don't know. Cause it's, it's just like sperm, right? Like that guy that you said has maybe lived at 3 million, has three kids, you know, this guy could have had, there's a million people out there at a D like the worst DNA. Fragmented 90% DNA fragment. <laughs> yeah. And they have like 10 kids and who like, you never know. So, you know, it's, it's a very niche thing. It's very, it, you know, just like all of this, there's variability. It's an individualized case. And that's why, you know, the semen analysis can get very confusing. It can get very overwhelming. That's why it's important if you do do one, go talk to your doctor about it. Go talk to your local urologist and they can kind of help break it down just like we did today for you guys. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a big believer in that. Like, hey, it's okay to like kind of like, hey, I'm interested in my male fertility potential. Let's, let's get a semen analysis. I'm all for that. But there's no need to really dig in deep, right? Um, I'll offer my thoughts on other stuff a little later. You know, I, I, you know, I, Justin and I always talk about this. But I, I, I do to a degree believe in like some sort of biohacking. But you know, fertility, we just don't know a lot about it, right? We just don't know still a lot about it. And so, if for the most part your semen analysis is good, right? There's nothing much in it. You haven't, you know, if you haven't even tried con conceiving yet, then you really just kind of leave it at that. You're just like, okay, good. I got, I got men in the men in the men in the, you know, waiting to go. Or they're, they're getting out that they need to, and then you try. Then if there's situations where you're like, hey, I've been trying with my partner for six months, you know, and it hasn't, we've been doing exactly the way, you know, every other day around the time of ovulation, then yes, then we start digging into it. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. I agree with that. I think knowledge is power. And I think, I, and I do encourage people if they are interested in their fertility, absolutely go for it because it's one of those things where a lot of guys come in and they go, you know, we, we were taught in school, you have sex one time without protection, you're going to immediately get pregnant. Yeah. Boom. And it's not the case. It's just not the case for a lot of people. I mean, right. some people get lucky, but for a lot of people, they go, what the fuck? I've been trying for yeah. a year and a half and I, and I still don't know what's going on. Yeah. So, you know, if you are interested, there's a lot of access to these things and there's, there's a lot of information out there. Just, you know, like Kevin said, don't freak out, see what's going on, talk to your local healthcare provider. I think that's a good way to end it, man. Good way to end it, bro. All right. So thanks as always for listening to this week's episode. 
Um, you know, questions, comments, concerns, please feel free. We, our email is live now, um, at the man up. Well, it's not at anything. It's the man up pod at gmail.com. Correct. That's correct. All right. We have a link tree. Now we're doing everything right. You know, so follow us on socials at the man up pod, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, X, uh, YouTube. We got the new cameras. I think it looks good now. Finally it worked. So, you know, subscribe, download uh, everything on Spotify. Give us a review, five stars, iTunes, five stars, reviews. Thanks for listening as always. For Kevin and Justin, see you next time.